volume two chapter twenty one of travels in the interior of africa by mungo park this librivox recording is in the public domain religious beliefs and industries of the mandingos the mandingos and i believe the negroes in general have no artificial method of dividing time they calculate the years by the number of rainy seasons they portion the year into moons and reckon the days by so many suns the day they divide into morning midday and evening and farther subdivide it when necessary by pointing to the sun's place in the heavens i frequently inquired of some of them what became of the sun during the night and whether we should see the same sun or a different one in the morning but i found that they considered the question as very childish the subject appeared to them as placed beyond the reach of human investigation they had never indulged at conjecture nor formed any hypothesis about the matter the moon by varying her form has more attracted their attention on the first appearance of the new moon which they look upon to be newly created the pagan natives as well as the mohammedans say a short prayer and this seems to be the only visible adoration which the kaffirs offer up to the supreme being this prayer is pronounced in a whisper the party holding up his hands before his face its purport as i have been assured by many different people is to return thanks to god for his kindness through the existence of the past moon and to solicit a continuation of his favour during that of the new one at the conclusion they spit upon their hands and rub them over their faces this seems to be nearly the same ceremony which prevailed among the heathens in the days of job footnote chapter thirty one v v twenty six to twenty eight and footnote great attention however is paid to the changes of this luminary in its monthly course and it is thought very unlucky to begin a journey or any other work of consequence in the last quarter an eclipse whether of the sun or moon is supposed to be effected by witchcraft the stars are very little regarded and the whole study of astronomy appears to them as a useless pursuit and attended to by such persons only as deal in magic their notions of geography are equally puerile they imagine that the world is an extended plain the termination of which no eye has discovered it being they say overhung with clouds and darkness they describe the sea as a large river of salt water on the farther shore of which is situated a country called tobabo du the land of the white people at a distance from tobadu du they describe another country which they allege as inhabited by cannibals of gigantic size 
called komi this country they called jong sang du the land where the slaves are sold but of all countries in the world their own appears to them as the best and their own people as the happiest and they pity the fate of other nations who have been placed by providence in less fertile and less fortunate districts some of the religious opinions of the negroes though blended with the weakest credulity and superstition are not unworthy attention i have conversed with all ranks and conditions upon the subject of their faith and can pronounce without the smallest shadow of doubt that the belief of one god and of future stake of reward and punishment is entire and universal among them it is remarkable however that except on the appearance of a new moon as before related the pagan natives do not think it necessary to offer up prayers and supplications to the almighty they represent the deity indeed as the creator and preserver of all things but in general they consider him as being so remote and of so exalted a nature that it is idle to imagine the feeble supplications of wretched mortals can reverse the decrees and change the purposes of unerring wisdom if they are asked for what reason then do they offer up a prayer on the appearance of a new moon the answer is that custom has made it necessary they do it because their fathers did it before them such is the blindness of unassisted nature the concerns of this world they believe are committed by the almighty to the superintendence and direction of subordinate spirits over whom they suppose that certain magical ceremonies have great influence a white fowl suspended to the branch of a particular tree a snake's head or a few handfuls of fruit are offerings which ignorance and superstition frequently present to depreciate the wrath or to conciliate the favor of these tutelary agents but it is not often that the negroes make their religious opinions the subject of conversation when interrogated in particular concerning their ideas of a future state they express themselves with great reverence but endeavor to shorten the discussion by observing mo o mo in ta alo no man knows anything about it they are content they say to follow the precepts and examples of their forefathers through the various vicissitudes of life and when this world presents no objects of enjoyment or of comfort they seem to look with anxiety toward another which they believe will be better suited to their natures but concerning which they are far from indulging vain and delusive conjectures the mandingos seldom attain extreme old age at forty most of them become gray-haired and covered with wrinkles and but few of them survive the age of fifty-five or sixty they calculate the years of their lives 
as i have already observed by the number of rainy seasons there being but one such in the year and distinguish each year by a particular name founded on some remarkable occurrence which happened that year thus they say the year of the farbana war the year of the carta war the year on which gado was plundered etc etc and i have no doubt that the year seventeen ninety six will in many places be distinguished by the name of tobanobu tami sang the year the white man passed as such an occurrence would naturally form an epoch in their traditional history but notwithstanding that longevity is uncommon among them it appeared to me that their diseases are but few in number their simple diet and active way of life preserve them from many of those disorders which embitter the days of luxury and idleness fevers and fluxes are the most common and the most fatal for these they gently apply saffies to different parts of the body and perform a great many other superstitious ceremonies some of which are indeed well calculated to inspire the patient with the hope of recovery and divert his mind from brooding over his own danger but i have sometimes observed among them a more systematic mode of treatment on the first attack of a fever when the patient complains of cold he is frequently placed in a sort of vapor bath this is done by spreading branches of the nacula orientalis upon hot wood embers and laying the patient upon them wrapped up in a large cotton cloth water is then sprinkled upon the branches which descending to the hot embers soon covers the patient with a cloud of vapor in which he is allowed to remain until the embers are almost extinguished this practice commonly produces a profuse perspiration and wonderfully relieves the sufferer for the dysentery they use the bark of different trees reduced to powder and mix with the patient's food but this practice is in general very unsuccessful the other diseases which prevail among the negroes are the yaws the elephantitis and a leprosy of the very worst kind the last mentioned complaint appears at the beginning in scurfy spots upon different parts of the body which finally settle upon the hands or feet where the skin becomes withered and cracks in many places at length the ends of the fingers swell and ulcerate the discharge is acrid and fetid the nails drop off and the bones of the fingers become carious and separate at the joints in this manner the disease continues to spread frequently until the patient loses all his fingers and toes even the hands and feet are sometimes destroyed by this invertate malady to which the negroes give the name of bala au incurable the guinea worm is likewise very common in certain places especially at the commencement of the rainy season the negroes attribute this disease 
which has been described by many writers to bad water and alleged that the people who drink from wells are more subject to it than those who drink from streams to the same cause they attribute the swelling of the glands of the neck goiters which are very common in some parts of bambara i observe also in the interior countries a few instances of simple gonorrhea but never the confirmed lose on the whole it appeared to me that the negroes are better surgeons than physicians i found them very successful in their management of fractures and dislocations and their splints and bandages are simple and easily removed the patient is laid upon a soft mat and the fractured limb is frequently bathed with cold water all abscesses they open with the actual cautery and the dressings are composed of either soft leaves shea butter or cow's dung as the case seems in their judgment to require towards the coast where a supply of european lancets can be procured they sometimes perform phlebotomy and in cases of local inflammation a curious sort of cupping is practised this operation is performed by making incisions in the part and applying it to a bullock's horn with a small hole in the end the operator then takes a piece of bees wax in his mouth and putting his lips to the hole extracts the air from the horn and by a dexterous use of his tongue stops up the hole with the wax this method is found to answer the purpose and in general produces a plentiful discharge when a person of consequence dies the relations and neighbors meet together and manifest their sorrow by loud and dismal howlings a bullock or goat is killed for such persons as come to assist at the funeral which generally takes place in the evening of the same day on which the party died the negroes have no appropriate burial places and frequently dig the grave in the floor of the deceased hut or in the shade of a favorite tree the body is dressed in white cotton and wrapped up in a mat it is carried to the grave in the dusk of the evening by the relations if the grave is without the walls of the town a number of prickly bushes are laid upon it to prevent the wolves from digging up the body but i never observed that any stone was placed over the grave as a monument or memorial of their music and dances some account as incidentally being given in different parts of my journal on the first of these heads i have now to add a list of their musical instruments the principal of which are the kunting a sort of guitar with three strings the koro a large harp with eighteen strings the simpling a small harp with seven strings the balafu an instrument composed of twenty pieces of hard wood of different lengths with the shells of gourds hung underneath to increase the sound the tang tang a drum open at the lower end and lastly the tab ala a large drum commonly used to spread an alarm through the country
besides these they make use of small flutes bow-strings elephant's teeth and bells and at all their dances and concerts clapping of hands appears to constitute a necessary part of the chorus with the love of music is naturally connected a taste for poetry and fortunately for the poets of africa they are in a great measure exempted from that neglect and indigence which in most polished countries commonly attend the vulgarities of the muses they consist of two classes the most numerous are the singing men called jili k mentioned in a former part of my narrative one or more of these may be found in every town they sing extempore songs in honor of their chief men or any other persons who are willing to give solid pudding for empty praise but a nobler part of their office is to recite the historical events of their country hence in war they accompany the soldiers to the field in order by reciting the great actions of their ancestors to awaken them in a spirit of glorious emulation the other class are devotees of the mohammedan faith who travel about the country singing devout hymns and performing religious ceremonies to conciliate the favor of the almighty either in averting calamity or ensuring success to any enterprise both descriptions of these itinerant bards are much employed and respected by the people and very liberal contributions are made for them the usual diet of the negroes is somewhat different in different districts in general the people of free condition breakfast about daybreak upon gruel made of meal and water with a little of the fruit of the tamarind to give it an acid taste about two o'clock in the afternoon a sort of hasty pudding with a little shea butter is the common meal but the supper constitutes the principal repast and is seldom ready before midnight this consists almost universally of couscous with a small portion of animal food or shea butter mixed with it it in eating the kaffirs as well as mohammedans use the right hand only the beverages of the pagan negroes are beer and mead of each of which they frequently drink to excess the mohammedan convert drinks nothing but water the natives of all descriptions take snuff and smoke tobacco their pipes are made of wood with an earthen bowl of curious workmanship but in the interior countries the greatest of all luxuries is salt it would appear strange to a european to see a child suck a piece of rock salt as if it were sugar this however i have frequently seen although in the inland parts the poor class of inhabitants are so very rarely indulged with this precious article that to say a man ate salt with his victuals is the same as saying he is a very rich man i have myself suffered great inconvenience from the scarcity of this article the long use of vegetable food creates so painful a longing for salt that no words can sufficiently describe it
the negroes in general and the mandingos in particular are considered by the whites on the coast as an indolent and inactive people i think without reason the nature of the climate is indeed unfavorable to great exertion but surely a people cannot justly be denominated habitually indolent who wants are supplied not by the spontaneous productions of nature but by their own exertions few people work harder when occasion requires than the mandingos but not having many opportunities of turning to advantage the superfluous produce of their labor they are content with cultivating as much ground only as is necessary for their own support the labors of the field give them pretty full employment during the rains and in the dry season the people who live in the vicinity of large rivers employ themselves in fishing the fish are taken in wicker baskets or with small cotton nets and are preserved by being first dried in the sun and afterwards rubbed with shea butter to prevent them from contracting fresh moisture others of the natives employ themselves in hunting their weapons are bows and arrows but the arrows in common used are not poisoned footnote poisoned arrows are used chiefly in war the poison which is said to be very deadly is prepared from a shrub called kunu a species of echtes which is very common in the woods the leaves of this shrub when boiled with a small quantity of water yield a thick black juice in which the negroes dip a cotton thread this thread they fasten round the iron of the arrow in such a manner that it is almost impossible to extract the arrow when it has sunk beyond the barbs without leaving the iron point and the poisoned thread in the wound and a footnote they are very dexterous marksmen and will hit a lizard on a tree or any other small object at an amazing distance they likewise kill guinea fowls partridges and pigeons but never on the wing while the men are occupied in these pursuits the women are very diligent in manufacturing cotton cloth they prepare the cotton for spinning by laying it in small quantities at a time upon a smooth stone or piece of wood and rolling the seeds out with a thick iron spindle and they spin it with the distaff the thread is not fine but well twisted and makes a very durable cloth a woman with common diligence will spin from six to nine garments of this cloth in one year which according to its fineness will sell for a mincali and a half or two mincalis each footnote a mincali is a quantity of gold nearly equal in value to ten shillings sterling End footnote. the weaving is performed by the men the loom is made exactly upon the same principle as that of europe but so small and narrow that the web is seldom more than four inches broad the shuttle is of the common construction but as the thread is coarse 
the chamber is somewhat larger than the european the women dye this cloth of a rich and lasting blue color by the following simple process the leaves of the indigo when fresh gathered are pounded in a wooden mortar and mixed in a large earthen jar with a strong lay of wood ashes chamber lay is sometimes added the cloth is steeped in this mixture and allowed to remain until it has acquired the proper shade in carta and ludamar where the indigo is not plentiful they collect the leaves and dry them in the sun and when they wish to use them they reduce a sufficient quantity to powder and mix it with the lay as before mentioned either way the color is very beautiful with a fine purple gloss and equal in my opinion to the best indian or european blue this cloth is cut into various pieces and sewed into garments with needles of the natives own making as the arts of weaving dyeing sewing etc may be may easily be acquired those who exercise them are not considered in africa as following any particular profession for almost every slave can weave and every boy can sew the only artists who are distinctly acknowledged as such by the negroes and who value themselves on exercising appropriate and particular trades are the manufacturers of leather and of iron the first of these are called karakankia or as the word is sometimes pronounced gangay they are to be found in almost every town and they frequently travel through the country in the exercise of their calling they tan and dress leather with very great expedition by steeping the hide first in a mixture of wood ashes and water until it parts with the hair and afterwards by using the pounded leaves of a tree called goo as an astringent they are at great pains to render the hide as soft and pliant as possible by rubbing it frequently between their hands and beating it upon a stone the hides of bullocks are converted chiefly into sandals and therefore require less care in dressing than the skins of sheep and goats which are used for covering quivers and saffies and in making sheaves for swords and knives belts pockets and a variety of ornaments these skins commonly are dyed of a red or yellow color the red by means of millet stalks reduced to powder and the yellow by the root of a plant by the name of which i have forgotten the manufacturers in iron are not so numerous as the karankias but they appear to have studied their business with equal diligence the negroes on the coast being cheaply supplied with iron from the european traders never attempt the manufacturing of this article themselves but in the inland parts the natives smelt this useful metal in such quantities not only to supply themselves from it with all necessary weapons and instruments but even to make it an article of commerce with some of the neighboring states during my stay at camilla there was a smelting furnace at a short distance from the hut where i lodged 
and the owner and his workmen made no secret about the manner of conducting the operation and readily allowed me to examine the furnace and assist them in breaking the ironstone the furnace was a circular tower of clay about ten feet high and three feet in diameter surrounded in two places with weaths to prevent the clay from cracking and falling to pieces by the violence of the heat round the lower part on a level with the ground but not so low as the bottom of the furnace which was somewhat concave were made seven openings into each one of which were placed three tubes of clay and the openings again plastered up in such a manner that no air could enter the furnace but through the tubes by the opening and shutting of which they regulated the fire these tubes were formed by plastering a mixture of clay and grass round a smooth roller of wood which as soon as the clay began to harden was withdrawn and the tube left to dry in the sun the ironstone which i saw was very heavy of a dull red color with grayish specks it was broken into pieces about the size of a hen's egg a bundle of dry wood was first put into the furnace and covered with a considerable quantity of charcoal which was brought ready burnt from the woods over this was laid a stratum of ironstone and then another of charcoal and so on until the furnace was quite full the fire was applied through one of the tubes and blown for some time with bellows made of goat skins the operation went on very slowly at first and it was some hours before the flame appeared above the furnace but after this it burnt with great violence all the first night and the people who attended put in at times more charcoal on the day following the fire was not so fierce and on the second night some of the tubes were withdrawn and the air allowed to have freer access to the furnace but the heat was still very great and a bluish flame rose some feet above the top of the furnace on the third day from the commencement of the operation all the tubes were taken out the ends of many of them being vitrified with the heat but the metal was not removed until some days afterwards when the whole was perfectly cool part of the furnace was then taken down and the iron appeared in the form of a large irregular mass with pieces of charcoal adhering to it it was sonorous and when any portion was broken off the fracture exhibited a granulated appearance like broken steel the owner informed me that many parts of this cake were useless but still there was good iron enough to repay him for his trouble this iron or rather steel is formed into various instruments by being repeatedly heated in a forge the heat of which is urged by a pair of double bellows of a very simple construction being made of two goat skins the tubes from which unite before they enter the forge and supply a constant and very regular blast the hammer forceps and anvil are all very simple and the workmanship 
particularly in the formation of knives and spears is not destitute of merit the iron indeed is hard and brittle and requires much labor before it can be made to answer the purpose such is the chief information i obtain concerning the present state of arts and manufactures in these regions of africa which i explored in my journey i might add though it is scarce worthy observation that in bambara and carta the natives make very beautiful baskets hats and other articles both for use and ornament from rushes which they stain of different colours and they contrive also to cover their calabashes with interwoven cane dyed in the same manner end of volume two chapter twenty one